it's good to see you, and I'm uh, really pleased to be here today because the sun is kind of shining, but more importantly, this is a day the Lord has made. Take a look out the window. These trees are so beautiful, the way they're covered. I just, I love a day like this. That is the wonderful thing about these kind of foggy days. They they just frost the trees so beautifully. The frosted trees just make my day, so I'm really pleased. I don't know if they make your day, but they make mine. But also to make your day, we have Dr. Deborah Johnston here. And Dr. Deb Johnston is a family medicine physician with the Avira Medical Group Brookings. I'm so happy to welcome you, Deb. It's great to be back, Joan. It's great to have you here, and we think that Dr. Rick Holm is also on his way. He is our medical expert, and we hope that he'll be here soon. (laughs) And um, his specialty is internal medicine, and he's also worked with the Avira Medical Group Brookings and has served as a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota's Sanford School of Medicine. Deb, I believe, since you've had students here, you also serve as a clinical professor. Am I correct? Um, I assume so. They send me paperwork sometimes, and I fill it out and send it back, and that's all. Usually I fill it out a couple months after I'm supposed to. But okay. Yeah. But, so you are <laughs> so as I'm, well. I, I probably am for some school or another. So Bob and I are just <laughs> surrounded by two really brilliant people because the other doctor, the good doctor Yay! home, just walked in. Thanks oh, so yeah, much for being here, Rick. The good doctor home. <laughs> and I was saying that you were a clinical professor, and Deb is as well. So... Not only do you have your MD degrees, you are clinical professors, and you really do share your knowledge about medicine, which is just wonderful. We really appreciate that. Welcome, Rick. Good to see you. Hi, Rick. Hi. How are you, Deb? I am well. Hello, Joan. Hello, Bob. Welcome to... Hello, everybody out there in Harry, Hello, everybody, and enjoy the flocking of the trees. And <laughs> uh, You know, I... I um, I have been doing sunset drives with my wife uh, for the last couple, you know, three, four weeks, mm-hmm. five weeks. And because uh, it's, you know, if you can get the sun to set, you know, there's usually this spectacular pink, beautiful sunset. And uh, so Eric is home. Uh, he's buying a car from mom and dad. And so he's picking it up and then driving down to New Orleans. And he, uh, has been going on those these sunset drives with us, and I mean, you can look. It's one of those where you look into the um, distance, and you can't tell when the sky and the, the the ground meet. You know, it's just one continuous. It's sort of like uh, the islands of Pellucidar by Edgar Rice Burroughs. You, the when you're down in the middle of the earth, and here is this beautiful see and you can't and then of course there's no sunset you you haven't read all those edgar rice burroughs nope i, I read every not. one of them oh. <laughs> <laughs> i read every guy read edgar it's rice a it's Burrow. a guy you know I've tarzan must, i've not read him edgar rice burroughs he okay. wrote tarzan well, we know the name he wrote an awful lot of misogynistic racist um i didn't know that at the time well of course not oh no. What? We oh. have an alarm. Is it uh, is it time for a break already? No, the noise is somebody's at my front door. Oh, <laughs> we got a new. <laughs> I will turn that off. We get a new ring thing, uh, picture camera at our front door, and so mm-hmm. I get that little sound every time somebody's at my front door. Oh well, wow, that's whoever's at Joan's yeah. front door. So someone's there. We don't know who. Watch out. <laughs> well, I was just. Uh, I, I, my tangent was the beauty of this. Uh, 
Of course, we're in the dead of winter, and it's cold and miserable, And although it's not as cold as You've it was. You've got to find something beautiful about You've it. We do today, beautiful. and you have with your sunset drives, it right? It is just, just gorgeous yeah. right now. It's a good reminder to stop and slow down and look around you and appreciate Savor. what's there. Yep, that's right. Great advice from both of you. We are going to take our first break. We're so happy you're listening today. As I've often told you, our program is generated by your call. So give us a call with any question you may have, and we will return right after these words. By living a healthy lifestyle, you can lower your risk for heart disease and heart attack. A healthy lifestyle includes the following. Eating a healthy diet, maintaining a healthy weight, getting enough physical activity, not smoking or using other forms of tobacco, and limiting alcohol use. All the providers at the Avera Medical Group Brookings hope you will follow these guidelines. For more information on a healthy heart, speak with your provider at 697-9500. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. So happy to have uh, you listening today, and I'm also really pleased to have both Dr. Rick Holm and Dr. Deb Johnston join me today on Prairie Doc Radio. Tomorrow night, Dr. Holm, you are going to be hosting the On Call with the Prairie Doc, which is on South Dakota Public Television at 7 o'clock, and your problem tomorrow night will be pro- your problem. Your, your discussion topic. tomorrow night will be, be lung disease, problems in breathing, and all the Ooh. problems that may occur with lung disease. Yeah. Who are you going to have as your guest, Dr. Michael, Holm? Michael Piedla. Piedla. And uh, Piedla is a, uh, his mother was uh, one of the cruise girls from D. Smith, of course. I knew oh her. Oh my oh. goodness. These, these, I swear the world <laughs> began and an ended in D. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> now when I go to f- basketball games at State, I have D. Smith sitting in front of me. Do you? Yes, yes. we have a group of people from D. Smith. That are <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I am surrounded by D. Smith people, but no, that's Rod, fine. Good Rod Combs uh, is yeah. what I guess it is. Okay. So, so you have Michael Pietala and his... Pietala. 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 And his wife is a dismet woman. No, his mother. Oh, his mother. Oh, I thought you said his wife. Okay, his mother. His okay. mother. And uh, so she was, uh, you know, great dismet kid. And uh, this family, the Cruz family, was just huge. You know, they had a, all these kids and piled into this beautiful old house. And, uh, you know, they were basketball players and, you know, all that. Just good kids, good people. And... Uh, Pietala happens to be a pulmonologist and is one of those guys. He has a either he has a very 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 dry sense of humor, or there's no sense of humor at all. I mean, it's just kind of, it's kind of this uh, dry sense of humor, and um, you don't see him smile, you don't see him laugh. Uh, it's clever. Uh, it's he's very very smart, and he gave a lecture at the latest. Uh, uh, internal medicine meetings, and it was the best me- the best lecture of all the meetings. And I thought to myself, "Chief, when would, when did I have Pietla uh, last? I've got to make sure to have him." And I looked. Yep, it was within the last year. You know, <laughs> I have him every year <laughs> because you like him. He's you know, he's so good. good. Yeah. Well, so and, good. It, and it's a great topic. It's a really important topic. Pulmonary yeah. disease is very common um, across all age groups, and so it's just a. a really important topic to educate people on. Well, and then the essay on Monday I wrote about someone with end-stage COPD. With a miserable. And who was really miserable, and he was in his yeah. 80s, and he had a son by his side, 
and they were finally ready to quit. And uh, that, that was, to me, it was a very powerful time. We'll never forget, uh, they, make, they made that decision. It was hard, uh, and uh, we, we made him comfortable. And we did not reintubate him because he was dying unless we put him back on a breathing machine. He didn't want it. And he had been there before. Yeah. You know, for some of us who fortunately are not too familiar with COPD, my only familiarity is the unbelievable advertising that keeps going on for different meds for COPD. <laughs> but could you explain to the listening audience who may not be familiar with it, what is COPD? Well, I'm going to have Deb do it, but I have to say this, Deb. It used to be that I would say obstructive lung disease was summed up in asthma, emphysema, and chronic bronchitis. They had all different reasons why they obstructed and blocked the blowing out of air. Uh, but they have kind of glommed chronic bronchitis yeah. uh, and, uh, and emphysema together. No question because in, in truth, when you see it in practice, there is a lot of overlap in an individual patient between all of these illnesses. And classically, it, asthma is the one that we tend to see in younger people whose lungs haven't been insulted by the world so yeah. much. Um, and asthma is a condition where the airways, the muscle that surrounds the bronchial tubes is hypersensitive and tends to spasm and cramp. Um, so, and so they bl and so where you can't get so the you air can't out. get the air out. Um, then we have emphysema, which involves damage to the air sacs, so that they all kind of instead of having lots and lots and lots of tiny little air sacs, the air sacs get bigger. They kind of join together, kind of like you can think of bubbles in a sink when you're washing mm -hmm. dishes might do that. Where are the air sacs? In the lungs. In the, the lungs. The, okay. the air sacs are actually where the the transfer of oxygen and carbon dioxide happens. And so you need lots of little walls for that transfer to happen. And when you have fewer little sacs, you have less walls. Uh, and then chronic bronchitis was uh, the idea that the airways could get basically start making snot. <laughs> yeah, too <laughs> much snot. Too much snot in the airways and not clearing the way that they're supposed to clear. Um, and it's nice as an academic thought to, to distinguish them, but in reality, most patients have a combination of these things. People with asthma, um, they, they develop chronic injury to their lungs, and then they end up with these other issues, too, if their asthma is not well controlled. They evolve. So yeah. they evolve. They, they transition, and they, um, they go on. They're more susceptible to these other things. So it is a very, very miserable illness. Um, being short of breath is a horrible way to feel, and to be short of breath on the verge of death is um, a miserable way. I, you know, exist. he he said to me, uh, this old man, um, you know, we can do comfort, and, you, and likely this is, you know, you will kind of slip away comfortably, really, or we can put you on that breathing machine. He said, you know, let's try the comfort. Let's try it. I'll never forget that. And so the son went, yes, Dad, that's the right choice. Yeah, oh, that's good. it's it's hard to make a decision that you know is likely to bring the end. Yeah, but living on that, living intubated, is not a 
a life, a life either. either. No. Uh, but it is extremely difficult. It's extremely difficult to let go. Mm-hmm. Well, I know if tomorrow night you would like to know more about problems breathing and COPD and these uh, conditions that Deb and Dr. Holm have just talked about, be sure to listen to On Call with the Prairie Doc at 7 o'clock on South Dakota Public Television. Right now we're going to take a break, and we just have a feeling well, there might be one or two calls coming Yeah, out. we'd like so. your calls. Please call, or I'm going to talk about immunizations again. Oh, oh gosh. Watch out. <laughs> call, please, call. The American Academy of Pediatrics has issued media guidelines for preschoolers that are helpful for parents and grandparents. Under the age of two, media should be very limited and only used when adults are standing by to co-view, talk, and teach. For example, video chatting with family along with their parents. For children 18 to 24 months, if you want to introduce digital media, choose high quality programming and use media together with your child. For children aged two to five, limit screen time to no more than one hour per day. Find other activities for your children to do that are healthy for their bodies and mind. Choose media that is interactive, nonviolent, educational, and pro-social. If you have questions about social media for children, speak with your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Joan Hogan here with Dr. Rick Holm and Dr. Deb Johnston. And we've been talking about tomorrow night's television program, which will cover problems breathing. Now we're going to go on to another topic that is in the news every single day. And that topic is the coronavirus. And that is, it emanated from China and it keeps bringing to mind for me the SARS epidemic of 2003. Yes. Because our granddaughter, who was... Being bo- who was just born in China, was all ready to be adopted, and they said, nope, sorry, no adoptions. And so they didn't know how long it'd be before they'd be able to adopt, and my, really, I didn't realize my that daughter-in-law was got pregnant. And then ah. they called and said, hey, it's okay, come and get her. <laughs> and ah. so they went, and Meredith, our darling Meredith, arrived in Brookings uh, right before Christmas, and her birthday was in January, and her brother's birthday was in February. February. So we ended up with our Irish twins. They're just a month apart in age, and we're so happy to have them. So whenever I hear of these viruses, I always think back to SARS and how lucky we are that they opened the doors and let let her come. Let her come. Right. Yes, so tell now good. that's one story, and I I wondered the com the. The uh, comparison between SARS and Corona, is there a comparison or do we even know yet? Um, If I understand correctly, correct me if I'm wrong here, Rick, but SARS was a coronavirus just like like this one. Now, that's kind of like saying dogs. So there's Chihuahuas and there's Great Danes, and we actually... there's a difference. (laughs) There's there's a difference, but they're all dogs. So we see coronaviruses here. This is just a new strain of coronavirus that they think learned to make the jump from animals to humans and now can jump from human to human. So um, it is an emerging epidemic 
people don't have any immunity because we haven't seen this particular strain of the virus before. So like many things, um, for example, our uh, influenza B that we're seeing so much of right now, uh, this particular strain or influenza Bs haven't been very prevalent for, I think they, I think I read 23 or 24 years since we've seen so much influenza B, which means that a lot of young people out there haven't had the opportunity to see this virus before, so we have more a more susceptible population yeah. with this. Well, so now, you know, but the the flu, the influenza B, you know, has a less than 1% mortality. The SARS had something like an 8 or 9% mortality, and the corona is like 4%. Yeah, I, I think it. I have read different things. When you actually read the the data, the last data I read said that there had been something something north of uh, twenty six hundred cases and something like a hundred deaths. So the the death rate is certainly respectable, but it's nothing on the order of um, of SARS or of Ebola, certainly, uh, which doesn't mean it's not something to worry about. We're going to see a lot of it. It's going to go across the world. Do you remember the percentage of death that was associated with the uh, um 1918. That was also very large, and I don't remember. Yeah, something it was like something that. very, very high, and particularly for pregnant pregnant women and young people, it was a, a devastating illness. And influenza is a devastating illness. Um, so we we deal with these kinds of devastating illnesses all the time. This is something new, and we're always more afraid of new things that we don't understand yet. I'm always fascinated by the. Uh, the fact that even before they started giving uh, vaccines to adults for influenza, the baby, um, actually it was pneumonia vaccine. But You're thinking about the Prevnar. Yes. Yeah. The baby's shots protected all these old people. Yes. I mean, the, the death rate dropped in the old people when the babies got the vaccine. Yep. Oh, that's interesting. I don't yep. think a lot of people realize that. People are still, there's still some resistance to vaccines there's out there. There's a lot of resistance to and vaccines And we wish there, there weren't. When you tell stories like that, that when children were getting the vaccine for pneumonia, all of a sudden older people were living longer. They weren't yes. getting a pneumonia. They so weren't. the vaccines have really been powerful and helpful for and, all of us. And that concept of herd immunity is huge. The idea that immunizing the babies protected the old people because the babies didn't pass that germ along to the right. old people. And this is where it, all of us getting our immunizations protects our neighbors, even if we're healthy and unlikely to have even perfectly healthy people die from the flu. But we're less likely than people who aren't healthy. So if you're not getting the vaccine for yourself, you should really consider getting it for your neighbor, the person who sits next to you in church, the person you encounter at the grocery store. That bald-headed uh, woman <laughs> or man who are on, who's Dr. on immunotherapy. Yeah. Exactly. We, so everybody, go get your flu shots for Dr. Holm. <laughs> Just for Dr. Holm. <laughs> Just well, for Dr. Holm. Well, you know about that herd immunity. 
I heard it on the grapevine. Yeah. <laughs> that it was protective. It is protective. It is protective. Right. It is protective. There is no de- question about it. So that that Prevnar is a good vaccine to talk about. It relates into your um, your topic for tomorrow. The Prevnar is uh, the pneumonia vaccine that we have given to babies essentially my whole career. And recently have started giving it to adults when they hit 65 and certain people with other health issues, lung disease. Or Explain the difference between Pneumovax and, and, uh, and Prevnar. Prevnar. Uh, they basically covered, again, we're going back to the dogs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. the dogs. To, to the, the dogs. dogs. Here we go. Um, it is a particular <laughs> strain of bacteria that causes is a very frequent culprit for causing pneumonia Um, but within this strain within this family of bacteria there are many different substrains again many different types of dogs and they're all dogs but they're all a little different so the prevnar is protecting you from a certain subset of dogs and the um, pneumovax is protecting you from another subset of dogs right so both. it is they they're both worthwhile they're both important we've given the the prevnar um, I'm sorry the pneumovax to adults truly my entire career I don't yeah. know do you remember when they started with that oh, was probably that? 20 years ago yep 20, and they, okay. th- they said initially it was one time shot. It probably isn't, but uh, I think that the government will pay for one time. The so you can get it before <laughs> you turn 65, and then you can get it another time after, after you're uh, on Medicare. We uh, Essentially, the current rules, a lot of people get a shot beforehand. If you smoke, if you have diabetes, uh, there's a variety of different situations that put you at higher risk for complications of influenza and then we will give that shot to you and then when you hit 65 you can get another one Um, the government is currently paying for two pneumonia shots and most of us are using the Prevnar as the other although that recommendation has recently changed so the Medicare will pay for a booster after I think it's eight years oh, for that, people that are for people that are high risk. And essentially, we consider pretty much any older person at higher risk because as you get older, your immune system just doesn't work as well. And because you tend to collect a bunch of health problems that also yep. interfere with your immune system. Well, Dr. Johnston, if somebody did have that pneumonia shot in their 50s or 60s, they might be wondering now, um, maybe they should get the second. Do they call their doctor? What do you suggest Absolutely. they do? Absolutely. Call their doctor or send us a message on the portal if you're using the portal, which is a really um, great tool and a great way to communicate with your care team. You can even look up and see, oh, when did I get that shot? Because we all, time passes and we lose track. Oh, was that just last year or was that no, 10 was years ago? Years. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, or even better, go in and have a, a wellness visit. Uh, Medicare pays not for a physical the way we're all used to thinking of physicals, but they do have an annual wellness visit where you have the opportunity to sit down and look and see what screening, what immunizations, what preventative care you, uh, you are due for and that the government will cover for you. Uh, So that's another wonderful way to do that. Okay. 
That sounds very good. Well, we've learned a lot about epidemics and influenza and the problems going, and the most important thing is get those vaccinations, Get right? those vaccinations, wash your hands, um, avoid being around people if you have influenza or if you're sick as much as you can. Yep. Well, on that very positive note, we will take a break and we'll be back right after this. Millions of people in the United States are not getting screened for colorectal cancer as recommended. They are missing the chance to prevent colorectal cancer or to find it early when treatment often leads to a cure. The vast majority of new cases of colorectal cancer, about 90%, occur in people who are 50 or older. The U.S. Preventative Services Task Force recommends screening beginning at age 50. If you think you may be at increased risk for colorectal cancer, learn your family history and ask your doctor if you should begin screening before age 50. Talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Happy to have you listening today. And uh, we have talked about viruses and talked about Dr. Holmes' program for tomorrow night. We did have one caller come in with a question about, about diverticulosis. And they would like you to discuss the difference between diverticulosis and diverticulitis. And um, this caller was wondering if he should be worried if his recent colonoscopy discovered diverticulosis will right. this lead to diverticulitis yeah. what's the combination what's the connection and what what do you do about it i've seen a lot of diverticulosis in my life and so yes. you're, okay, you're you're not yeah but yeah. i've looked at it straight on straight on <laughs> and okay. not many of us do but you no. have and it's pockets you know it's sort of like your inner tube has a weak spot and there's a bulb that kind of breaks out right. and it hasn't broken yet but it's a bulb of air, you know, a pocket of air, another pocket of air, another pocket of air, and when you see a lot of that, that's diverticulosis. Osis. And that is extremely common. If you live long enough, you're going to get it. a little bit yeah. of it, uh, kind of like cataracts that way. So um, it, diverticulosis in and of itself is just a very common thing. Diverticulitis is when those little pockets get infected. Uh, and then diverticulitis often needs antibiotics and occasionally surgery yeah. uh, to fix. But it's a minority of people with diverticulosis who go on to get diverticulitis. Although there Although. is the problem associated with diverticulosis, which is bleeding, yes. which can be worse than it is in diverticulitis. The, actually, the inflammation kind of closes off the, the bleeding sources. And people who can get into a bleeding uh, thing... Uh, I may have diverticulosis. Whenever there's bleeding, though, you gotta check that out. You gotta assume that's cancer. Yep, cancer until proven otherwise. Yep. Wow! Do not ignore bleeding. Do not okay. ignore bleeding. So yeah. if this but person was diagnosed with diverticulosis and they no, probably had nothing, a they're just fine. They probably yeah. have. Just yeah. it is a very common thing. You, in order to get diverticulitis, you have to have diverticulosis. Um, but, but that doesn't mean you will it get doesn't it. mean that you will eat a healthy diet, lots of fiber. If you get a persistent abdominal pain, particularly with fever, you got to go in and get yeah. checked out. Yeah, and I think the major diet is we used to say no seeds, no popcorn. Right now we know the more seeds, the more popcorn, the more fiber, the more uh, stuff 
the uh, better. That doesn't get absorbed, the better. The, and the reason for that was we thought that those little seeds would get caught in those pockets, but there's actually no evidence of that. No. So I did see a toothpick caught in a diverticulum. Oh. Okay, you so did. don't eat toothpicks. Best not to swallow I those did. toothpicks. You did. I had a picture of it. I don't know where that picture is, but here is this toothpick. And actually, I, I had a little jar with that toothpick in my locker oh. room for... I think 15 years before, I just kind of threw it away. But <laughs> <laughs> here was a toothpick caught in a diverticulum, and I thought, ooh, that's a sensitive spot. That, you know, I have a sister news. who had just horrible pain, horrible pain. They couldn't discover what it was. Finally, the doctor said, we have to operate and find out. And it was a tiny little brush from uh, when you clean the barbecue pit in that oh, metal brush. It was stuck when they took out. She was healthy. They say don't use the metal brushes as you clean the, the grills. Well, I guess not. Do what I, a dangerous thing. Buy a wooden. That in your toothpick. Get hey, a wooden, wooden brush. Wooden brush would be better. Okay, we need to, uh, in this wrap program, up. we wrap it up. Wrap We're so glad that you listened today, and we hope you've enjoyed all of this. And we'll listen again for Prairie Doc, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Dr. Johnston, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And Dr. Holm, always fun to be with you. The program is yours. What a joy to have you, Deb. And always, always. And thank you, Joan. And thank you, Bob. And stay healthy out there, people. Mm -hmm.